0: The Yeshiva.net Mem Dalit Amid Al of the first column, page 87 on top. So we have two models. Two models, the Mishkin and the Beis Hamikdash. And it's not just two models of construction. It's two models of construction, but it's two models of construction that reflect two models of Avodah Hashem, as we will see. Two models of Yiddishkeit. Ultimately, they will represent two forces, two voices in Klaus Yisrael throughout history. The model of the Mishkan follows what he calls Seder the evolutionary process where there is a hierarchy. Medaber, Chai, Seimeach, Doimim. The human, the animal, the botanic kingdom, and finally the inanimate, inorganic material. It represents the Mesechtichagiger, Shamayim, Kodmula, aretz. Heaven precedes Earth, metaphorically representing the idea that spirituality precedes physicality. Physicality emerges from the spirit. The body emerges following the soul. Heaven precedes Earth. Rukhnis precedes Gashmis. In Medaba you have the most Chius, the most spirituality. That's visible in Chai oso less. In seimeach, yet less. But there's still motion, there's growth, there's movement. You recognize a form of vitality in a plant, in a tree. And then finally in Doimim, which bespeaks no outer expression of vitality, of chius, of life. And that's the hierarchy set up in Seder Hishtal Shulis, and it's set up in the Mishkan that way. So the roof of the Mishkan is made from animal hide, the walls as you go down, representing not only down physically, but also a descent spiritually. You come down from the ureus, which represents the higher energy of the Mishkan, the Remakif, you have the animal, you come down, you have the wood the them the beams which come from wood, which of course comes from trees, which is Tzimeach, and then the earth of the Mishkan, the Afar HaMishkan, as it says in Parshas Nasai, mean Ha Asher Bekarka Mishkan, where you took the earth for the Saita, because the earth of the Mishkan was basically the desert, whatever wherever they were in the desert, that was the earth of the Mishkan. They didn't tile the Mishkan. That comes from Doimen, because Afar is Doimen. In the Beis HaMiktar, suddenly everything changes. The walls are from Avonim, and even the roof is from Avonim, which is all Doimim. Where is Tsoymeyach? It's hidden somewhere away. Klunsoyuz, Sheleriz, you don't even see it. In fact, you're not allowed to have an Eitz Boilet in the base HaMikdash. Parshas Reh. You're not allowed to have Loisito Lechokol Eitz by the Mizbach Hashem Malakachi. You're not allowed to have an Eitz Boilet. And where is Chai? There's Bechlal no Chai. Chai is completely gone. Doimim is the predominant not only predominant, is almost the exclusive, uh, uh, instru- uh, the exclusive material, and Tzimeach is concealed. Based on what, he says? This is based on a whole other set of priorities. Not based on the system of evolution, but based on the machshava of Hashem, where Seif Maisa be and there, earth trumps heaven. No pun intended. There, heaven follows earth, earth precedes heaven. The Gemara says in Chagigim, it's at Eretz and since the Mishkan is the temporary residence, the Hamikdash is the permanent residence, what does a temporary residence mean? It means you're not fully there with your entire essence. It's your transitional home, where you're there, but you're there not fully. Everybody knows about the home that is temporary. You're there, but you're not there fully. You don't feel it's mine. It's an emotional distinction, even if practically you may end up there twenty years, you know. And therefore, it's called dirasadi. it doesn't capture you in your essence. Spiritually speaking, the Mishkan doesn't capture, so to speak, God in his essence. It's divine, but the Beshamiktish is the Diraskva and therefore has him, so to speak, in his full presence and intimacy, not only the hierarchy of creation, but the machshava, the way it's in his own thought, that is reflected, and that's what we say in the Beis Amiktush, you have Zois Menuchasi, a reflection of Yom Shekuli Shabbos and Menucha and then Eishaz Chayil Teres Bayla, the woman of valor will be revealed to be the crown, superior to her husband, nikeva to save of as the pasuk says, femininity, which spiritually may represents earth, Mother Earth. Earth is that which absorbs the droplets of rain that come from heaven. The droplets of rain represent masculine energy. zera seed, so to speak. Procreative substances that are absorbed by the womb of the feminine earth. And they're nurtured and they're fertilized. And they're absorbed in the earth and from there everything grows. Like the woman who absorbs the seed. And nurtures it and develops it, that develops into an embryo and a fetus, and ultimately emerges one day, hopefully, as a healthy, beautiful, angelic child. This is the Mother Earth, which really Eretz is Kadm ala and makshav eishin teres Bayla, and hence the offer, which in the Mishkan was on the bottom, suddenly in the base Hamikdash rose completely to the top. It's the roof and it's the wall. And he says, This quality you see in the fact that Eretz. Is the source of all production, so needs it, and chai needs it, the medaber needs it. Everything grows only from afar, and you also see it spiritually in the sense that afar is allows itself to be stepped on by everybody. In other words, there's absolutely no ego whatsoever because it comes from achshave cheishev ma venachnu ma. It has that quality of bittel representing God's thoughts. Representing machshava, which as we explained, the ego of letters and words are completely swallowed up in the energy of the idea or emotion that one is thinking about. That is a very swift summation of what we learned. Yes? Yeah, but in that High teres You say Ashis is the earth which is higher. But isn't tar- that means crown? Crown. The Malthus is the lowest of the spheres. That's the point. In the hierarchy of the Mishka, Malchus is the lowest. And in La Ased Lavi, it's going to be revealed that that which is the lowest is really rooted in the highest space. Question. So if so it's right. Heaven precedes earth, and earth precedes heaven. In the bitthal, you said this, the you're completely one with is, God, and you're, you're, you're invincible. You're yeah. no matter what prejudice a person has suffered, that was part of the right. Whatever prejudice a person has suffered, or Even forms of abuse, it's not internalized to the form where you interpret it as demonstrating to yourself that you're meaningless, you're valueless, you're pointless, you're worthless, and all of the lovely emotions that we deal with. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. It doesn't happen every day that you learn something in the Gemara, Mesechti Rosh The Gemara makes for and it's not clear exactly what. And then in Torah, he reveals the real depth of what the Gemara is saying. So that's what we're going to have the privilege today. We just learned the sugi that he's going to address in Rishish, The sugi he's going to address now with Koyrish and Daryavish versus Shloima. We just learned in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah Dav Gimel, and, uh, and now he addresses it on a deeper level. So very good. Yeah. yeah. This sentence yeah. is still. I'm I mean, it's actually behind Lohen Asher Mesher. the calls it Asher's Chayel and Teres Bala Shetiah, Ateres Loassid Lovo, Lizeran Pindat Yeah. But Loassid Lovo, she should be higher. She's at That's what Atera is. Atera is not Atera lower because it's lower sphera? No, shatia. Right now, Malchus is under the other spheris. Loassid Lovo, Asher's Chayel will be ateres Bala. Will be a crown which is above the head. In other words, Malchus's source okay. will be recognized. It's Malchus now, but it will be higher. Right, right. So when you look at Malchus, you could see it in two ways. Evan Masu Habaynim, Haisa, the Reish Pina becomes the cornerstone. He says, Umisham, the first line, Umisham, the first line on top, mm-hmm. Umisham um, It's from here, it's because of this source, that Eretz possesses this quality of bitl, of subservience. So when you look at the bitl externally, you say, oh, everyone steps on it. In other words, it's just there for everybody to step on it seems completely subservient. But he says, But this very quality is what causes that it will be sublimated to become ateris baila, to become the crown over the husband. This very quality that would make it seem that it is subservient to all of the higher forms, and that's why I step on it, I am above it, this very quality of the bittle is really such a profound quality that essentially it's this reason that it will be revealed to be above all the others. And that's where the beis Hamikdush was made unlike the Mishkan, precisely from Avonim, from stones as explained also elsewhere in a mimer, in the kutatir the Gemara the says in the beginning of misakhirish shana al-koidish about cyrus about koidish he became vinegar he deteriorated morally Because he commanded that they should mix in vegetative produce, wood, in the structure of the Beis HaMikdash. The Pasek tells us in Ezra that he sent a letter We're not gonna go through the whole history right now. We we dealt with it for a long time, but very briefly. Achashvarish and Esther had a child in the among the Persian Empire, em, em, among the Persian monarchs. You had Daryovish, you had Cyrus Kairish, Daryovish the Great, you had Khoirish, you had Achashvarish, and then you had his son Daryovish, who's also identified in Gemara as Koyrish, because he was a Melech kosher. he was a good kid, a Jewish kid too. Kairish means kosher. And he allows them to rebuild the second base, Hamikdash. And the Gemara says he was so prominent by the Jews that they treated him as a Jewish king, not as a Gentile king, in the sense that the Rosh Hashanah for his monarchy is Nissan, not Tishrei, like Jewish kings. But then they shifted back to Tishrei. Why? Because Hechmetz. Koirish. The Gemara says that he became vinegar from wine. He became vinegar. Where do you see became vinegar? Where do you see? And the second answer of the Gemara is that he told them to build the Beis HaMiktush and he funded it. Three rows, marble, and one row, new wood. Evan Glal is marble. Three rows, Nidbach is rows. Three rows, marble. The Nidbach and one row, day Ochadas, new wood. What's the big deal? So he wanted wood. He wanted marble and wood. And the Gemara says, Shloimeh did the same thing. He did the same thing. So the Gemara says, no, Schlima hid the wood inside. Shake Bibinana. Schleima also plastered it and Schloima put it on top. And this man put it on bottom. It should be already by the close to the foundation. He had it protrude. It was outside and it was not covered. It was not covered. There was no Sid, there was no plaster on it. So what's the Havana? So I'll peep shot. The way the Gemara says it is he was preparing for rebellion? If they rebel, I should have a partially a wooden structure so I can burn it down. If it's only marble, it's hard to burn it down. But this begins from something deeper. And that is that in the Beis HaMikdash, you're not supposed to have Tzimeach. You're not supposed to have eight that protrudes. What's the sign that Hechmetz, he took the Mishkan model and he puts it into the Beis HaMikdash model where Tzimeach is such a prominent feature, all the walls are from Tzimeach, and he brings that, he translates that back into the Besamikdash, this was the sign of Kodesh's spiritual deterioration. is kuloi ba'avonem Because it's a denigration, it's a violation of the energy of the Besamikdash. When you're going back to the model of the Mishkan, the Besamitish has to be all stone. Why? Because Eretz Kadmo la in the vision of La Asid Lavey, the Daimem reigns supreme. Question? Yeah? Can you say that Evan Glow is glal being marble, that's also uh, excrement, right? You could say that Interesting. It's a remark about the quality of what he built. Okay. I mean, Evan Glow is a quote of his letters. I don't think he meant excrement. <laughs> no, but. I'm saying that it's a double of hunger. I hear It's used twice. Yeah. Right. If Doimim if reigns supreme, why even have it concealed? Why tzeiyeach concealed? That's a good question. We'll see. You need the tzeiyeach, but it's concealed. You don't get rid of the tzeiyeach, but what's what you see is the diamond. Good question. And by kaidish, and that's how Shlaima did it. Shlaima had tzeiyeach. The Gemara says clearly, but kaidish did it the other way around. So when you have this little suga, looks it was a technical thing, Shlaima put it inside, and kaidish put it outside. As we will see, kaidish was actually representing a shift of consciousness, which Shlaima was representing precisely by how he built the Beis HaMikdash. And then by Yisheni there was that shift of consciousness represented physically by this change, to the point that the Gemara calls it vinegar in contrast to wine. The wine becomes choymetz, the wine becomes vinegar, koyresh is hechmetz. Kan koitem shehechmetz, kan l'achesh shehechmetz. U who hu b'chines yishtachavoyer esra, koyl demamadaka, madaka b'chines doymem. V'oysis ha-tfilahim doim. doymem. In davening, there are different stages. Till Shmein Esra, one davens loud. One is supposed to daven loud. Shmein speaks how you daven every word, b'zimra. One davens loud, saying every word, counting it like pearls. In Shmein Esra, number one is ishtachavoyas, one prostrates himself. In other words, venafshi And real ishtachavoah, as you know, was pishut You would go down all the way. That's sheminaester. Also, sheminaester is called mamadaka, a still thin, subtle voice. This represents doimen, and that becomes the peak of davening. And generally, oisius hatfila again. Oisius letters on their own are pchinus doimen. Mashenkin by Mishkan If he said that he the Mishkan follows the hierarchy of today. It's heaven precedes earth. Hence the walls were made from wood. And where was earth? Earth only always remained on the bottom. As we explained before. It means that within a person's uh, own life, we have the doimim of a person, the tzemeach of a person, the chai of a person, and the medaber of a person. Generally, the oisius that we speak are associated with doimim, because the oisius themselves, divorced from the energy that infuses them, are compared to doymim. And then you have those aspects that are tzemeach in a person, you have the chai in the person, and then you have the medaber in the person himself. Like he said, in every world and in every state, you have all four. So doimim exists on every level. You have doimim as we speak about it practically, but you have also doimim in many different dimensions. V'hine, after this introduction, which he started, Ve'yiga then he went into the Mishkan, Inyan, Yosef, ve yehuda. This is the contrast between the two brothers, Yosef and Yehuda. Shamayim doim. If you want to understand Yehuda and Yosef, if you're dealing with heaven versus earth, Tzimeach, growth, versus Doimim, inanimate. What's the connection between the two? Mishkan versus Besamikdash. Of course, one immediately, if you're familiar, right away understand the connection. The Mishkan for 369 years, when it came to Israel, stood in which city? Shiloh. Shiloh is in whose territory? Yosef. The Beis HaMikdash was built in Yerushalayim, the territory, the region that was given to Shevet Yehuda. So right away, there's a connection over there. 369 years, the Beis HaMikdash was only built 440 years after the Jews went into Eretz Yisrael. For 440 years, there was no Beis HaMikdash. Most of that time, there was a Mishkan in Shiloh. The Mishkan went to another few places. It was in Noiv and in Givay and in Gilgal, but most of the time it was in the Helek of Yosef. But where do we have a heaven, earth, Sayymea, Doiman? He says, look at the names. It's always in the name. What does Yosef mean? Yosef means growth. Loshen Yosef means growth. Loisef, Hosafa, add, to increase. It says Rachel named him Yosef. Yosef Hashemli Ben The Pasak says, Ben pyrus Yosef. Ben Poyrus Ali Poyrus comes from the word Piriavidivya. Fruitful, multiplication, sameach, peri. A peri is a sameach, ben, peris, Yosef. Yosef means growth. Ki Yosef, Yosef's M.O., Yosef's mission statement is growth. He grows and he goes and he climbs greater and greater, higher and higher, taller and taller, more and more pchines This represents Particularly the cedar, maila beruma mailus. It's not just a regular tree, but the Erez as we said before, represents the perfection of tzeimeach. Yosef is called Yosef haTzadik. Tzadik, we say into hilim. Tzadik haTomar Yifrach Erez balavon and Yiske It blossoms like a cedar in Lebanon, which is an Erez gavoya. He's going to use now uh, mystical language in parentheses. And I'm not going to focus so much on it because uh, it gets into intricate sugas. I want to stick to the theme, but I'll just translate. translate. Yosef represents the Rampin, which means the small face, the midois of Atsilus Shenichroim, Tsoimeach Legabe Hamalchus Shenichras Doimim, which are midois Legabe Malchus are called Tsoimeach Legabe Doimim, Kamershakos of Makamache Barichus, Shah Midois Yesh Behem, Tzmicha Vigidel. In midois are called Tsoimeach, because midois are called Tsoimeach. People's emotions never remain the same. You can try, but good luck. Today, you're on top of the world. A few hours later, you feel that you're in the abyss. Emotions are roller coasters. They're tsemeach. They're constantly changing. People develop. People mature. People's emotional states are never in the same space. Malchus, <laughs> oisius, hein is doyman. Oisius represents Midois tzmicha, And oisius represent doymim because oisius themselves are static. They're not dynamic. They're not vibrant. The concept of oisius is, as we said, they're kalim. They're containers to channel, to contain, to convey an idea or an emotion. The oisius themselves don't have light. The oisius themselves, they have energy through them and within them. But the oisius themselves are called doymim. In other words, there's no growth in the oisius. That's what we speak about, there's an eighth eres, a cedar, and an Ezev, er an er the azev er is a, what is it called, the hyssop, hyssop, right, the hyssop grass, which was small, and the eres is godless, but it's all in way they had to cleanse the Metzorah, or for Paradumma, they used to take an Eitz eres. And an Azerv. Those are the two extremes in Minat semayach. Aziv is a very low grass, and, and, and Erez represents a very tall tree. But we see from here that Erez in semayach itself is the ultimate growth. Especially Yosef, ad Hadas, Nikra, Erez Why more than anybody else? Yosef is Midas HaYisoyed, Yisoyed is the center column of the spheres. you have Chesed on the right, Guru on the left, Teferis in the middle, Netzach on the right, Hoidi on the left, Yisoyed in the middle. The middle columns are connected to each other, so Yisoyed is oyla to Teferis, which is Eulah to Das, which is oyla to Keser, which basically, repre- what he's trying to bring out here is that in Yosef the level of growth is Emphasized even more than anybody else because it's Oyla Ad Hakesser, which is above. That's the Erets Balavon and Yiscai Yehuda Pchines Erets Malchus Datzilis She Pchines Hadoyimim Datzilis. In Datzilis itself, it's called the silent part. Vilachen Yehuda Lashen Haydaa Ubitl. Yosef means growth. Yehuda means what? Submission. Haydaa. Like when you say Moedim Chachamam Lerev Meir, I acquiesce. I surrender. I submit. And even why was he named Yehuda? Hapam oideh, Hashem. Gratitude. Gratitude is a form of submission. It's a vulnerable thing. Gratitude means I acknowledge that you did something important for me. Maybe you changed my life, and I express thank you. That's a form of vulnerability. It's a form of subservience. The Medrash says he was called Yehuda because he's the first man in biblical history to confess publicly. Nobody confesses mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but who confesses mistakes? The first one to say, I am the one who is the father of these children of Tamar, the whole story in Vayeshev is Yehuda. And that's why he's called Yehuda, the medr says from the word Moida. Moida means Moida Ani, I thank you. Moida means confess, like Vidui. Moida also means submission. Ich bin I'm Moida, Moida to you It's all the same concept, subservient submission, not growth and self aggrandizement because the daimem, as we said, the offer, has within it the profoundest form of bitl, and that is what Yehuda rep represents. Now as is often the case, the wording that's used, the vocabulary that's used, is abstract. It's what you would call mystical language or spiritual language. And it must be deciphered. We have to uh, demythologize uh, the abstractions. In other words, bring down bring down that which is abstract. What we're discovering here is that Yosef and Yehuda, at least one aspect of what we're discovering here, there are various layers in this, but one layer of what the Balatanya, I think, is teaching here is the Yosef and Yehuda represent not just two brothers. And they represent not just people who have disagreements. People have disagreements. Every person has their own mindset. The Mishnah mission, the mission says in Sanhedrin, ain't they a Sey and Shavis. No two people think alike and no two people look alike. Ain't parts of and But what they're really representing is two completely different <coughs> modalities. And as we shall see, and that's always the key, it's not either or the way we translate it in history is everything is either or. You're right, I'm wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. But it's not either or. It's Elu ve elu chayim. Both represent a truth. And in different points of history, different truths have to reign supreme. As we shall see, there's a time in history when Yosef must be the king. There's a time in history when Yehuda must be the king. There's a time in history when they can both be kings and there's a time in history when they can be synthesized as one. But you can't jump ahead of yourself if you don't work through each one independently. Because if you want to create unity before you respect individuality, the unity is going to come and haunt you because it's superficially imposed. In other words, unity that (coughs) negates individuality we're one because we make believe we have no differences is going to be short-lived because the moment our differences emerge, ice unity. It's like a couple who gets married based on the idea that they are the same in everything. Right? And then one day you wake up, you're not mamish one in everything. So what happens now? So there's a the real unity emerges from individuality and through individuality. So Yehuda and Yosef, as we will see, there's a stage of unity. But before the stage of unity, there's the process of working through Yosef and Yehuda. And these are not two brothers, these are two parts in every person. What is the difference between Yosef and Yehuda? I'm going to express it in a certain way. You can express it in a different ways, but I'm going to express it in a certain way. It's the name, always the name. The Gemara says in Yuma, Pe Gimel, Reb Meir, and Dayak Bishmo. Reb believe believed the names. You told him your name, and Reb Meir says, now I understand. <laughs> so, so according to this, Yehuda was destined to be Yehuda when his mother named Yehuda? Or she recognized it. The... Or she recognized it, or divine providence. How that works out, uh, let's not open every can of worms in one day. <laughs> you know, free choice, destiny, what we know, what we don't know, names and so forth. Daya etzare when we'll deal with free choice. So the name of Yosef captures Yosef, and the name of Yudah captures Yehuda. What is the name of Yosef? Hesofah, <laughs> Tzmicha, growth. What is Yosef saying? What is Yosef's message? Yosef's message is, Tzadik atomer Yifrach, keeres <laughs> Balavon En Yiske. What does it mean to be a Tzadik? Keeres Balavon En Yiske. In simple English, I would say, it represents a particular mindset. And the mindset is, that the purpose of human existence on earth is to actualize your potentials and actualize your potentials in the highest, deepest, and most powerful way. Yosef HaTzadik's message in his presence, in his soul, and in the way he lives is, never ever surrender to mediocrity. Yosef's message is, Grow and grow and realize that the sky is the limit. But let all of your kachis, all of your faculties, all of your potentials be exercised, be actualized, be expressed, be utilized in the most powerful way. To put it in different words, Yosef, if you would ask Yosef, if you would interview Yosef, and you would ask Yosef, what does Judaism want from a person? Or what does Judaism give a person? Yosef's message will be that Yiddishkeit Torah allows a person to be able to become the most powerful, most actualized, most successful human being possible. It's there to allow you not only not to stifle your growth, but to cause and bring out of you the deepest possible growths. And not just a small tree, a splendid tree with full beauty, with full prowess, with full splendor. That's what it's there for. Now some of you are looking at me and like, what is he talking about? Which Judaism, which religion, which Kool-Aid has he been drinking? And which, uh, which yeshiva has he been going to? Some are still waiting for the teacher to say we're here so that each of you should be able to shine infinitely. So that each of your personalities should be able to actualize itself in the profoundest way. So here we come to the big question. What is the ultimate purpose of life? Is the ultimate purpose of life self-expression? Or is the ultimate purpose of life self-transcendence? is the ultimate raison d'etre, is the ultimate purpose of life from a Jewish perspective, that the human being actualizes his or her self on every level, physically, psychologically, emotionally, socially, financially, spiritually. And spiritually, of course, is a very important idea. But that is what (laughs) God wants. God wants you to become... You should be able to look at yourself and others should be able to look at you and see the cedar tree. The cedar tree which is not stifled at all. That is ultimately the message of Yiddish. Torah, mitzvahs, Avodis Hashem. What is it? It is to be able to fine tune your talents and to be able to help you discover your infinite potential so that your growth will not be stifled by anything. So the whole Gemara, the whole Shulchan Aruch, and all of Avoidus Hashem, is here to help you maximize yourself in every area. Of course, everybody knows, to maximize yourself, to express your deepest potential, you have to discipline yourself. <laughs> if somebody's not disciplined, they can have the greatest potential. You could be potentially the greatest runner, the greatest athlete, the most skilled dancer, the greatest writer, the greatest communicator, whatever the skill is, the greatest artist, you're going to need training. You're going to need discipline. Training requires discipline. For a person to be able to unleash their profoundest creativity, they have to learn to say no to certain things. So the yosef doesn't challenge discipline. A tree also could be full of weeds and you have to you have to help the tree grow. And you have to, as we have in the Milchus Shabbos, we have Zoymer. You have to weed out the weeds. That's of course. You have Mitzvah sese, you have Mitzvah Sloy sese. So you'll ask me a question, why is there so many no's in Judaism? No doesn't mean I want to stifle you. <laughs> no sometimes means I want to help you grow. I want you to be able to express yourself. And yes, man is complicated. And if we're left only to our own devices. We're also sometimes left to our own vices. I guess that worked. And that means, which part of me is going to take over? I mean, I want to sleep today till 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I want to express myself. I want to express myself. That's how I express myself. My mattress expresses me. And some people believe in this for 10, 20 years of their life. And once you taste it, why should you get out of bed? So, you know, 70, 80 years. I mean, so did you express yourself? I mean, you expressed a very, very impoverished version of an impoverished version of yourself. There's this lovely anecdote about a baby uh, a baby camel who turned to its mother and says, "Ma, why are we created in such a strange way? Where we have these three ugly toed three ugly toed legs? Like, why can't we look a little more? Our feet can a little be more, a little elegant." So mommy says to the baby, uh, the daughter camel, because we're not like everybody. We're unique. We march thousands of miles through deserts. We trek thousands of miles. We need sturdy feet. Wow, mommy, what about these ugly eyelashes? Mommy says, you're in the Sahara Desert. There are windstorms. You're going to get blind. These eyelashes protect us during these long treks. Mommy, what about these ugly humps? Oh, you think in the Sahara Desert somebody's giving you water? Mother Nature provided us with these humps so that we can store up in our system water for weeks and not die from dehydration. And that's why we have these humps. So the baby thinks for a few and says, Mommy, I get this. So we have these three-toed legs in order to march thousands of miles. These eyelashes to protect us from the sandstorms as we go thousands of miles. These humps to be able to store water in us as we march thousands of miles. So what in the world are we doing locked up in a cage in the Bronx Zoo? (laughs) Right? That's the question. That's a question one has to ask themselves. Why am I locked up in a cage in the Bronx Zoo? Look at Yosef's life, and you'll see this is Yosef's life. He never, ever allowed himself to become a victim. Never. Circumstances never put him down. They should have put him down. As I said many times, if you would have taken Yosef's resume and give it to a therapist... Maybe excluding Doctor Lamb, I don't know. And you would say, "Does this man is this man doomed to success or doomed to depression?" They say, "Tell me about his life." Well, for starters, he lost his mother at the age of nine, and she was quite close with him. And then his brothers despised him and hated him. And then they abducted him and threw him into a pit with scorpions and sold him as a slave. And then when he was already a slave, successfully he was accused of rape and he was thrown into prison. What is your prognosis for this kid's life? And yet, when you follow Yosef's career, wherever he is, he grows. He always emerges from every situation with more success, with more creativity, with more ingenuity, and always comes out on the top. This, you can't crush this man. Nobody crushes him. He cries, he's in pain, but he's always growing. Yosef is growing. You can't snuff out the spirit from him. You can't kill his soul. There's nothing you can do to him that tells him, I am a loser and I will forever be a loser. Surrender to mediocrity and live a life of quiet desperation. He'll never do that. Ah, he should, naturally. You throw it into the pit, physically or psychologically, you're in the abyss. Yosef haTzadik remains tsameach, and somehow from every experience, it every experience. I don't want to say he manipulates it, but he uses it. He finds it as a catalyst, as a springboard for growth. And you see it throughout as you follow Yosef throughout Vayeshev, Miketz, VaYigash. He's he's not a detached person. Detached people don't grow from experiences; they're survivors. Yosef is not a survivor. Yosef is an integrated person. He goes into every situation fully. He feels the full pain of the situation. Sometimes people are detached. They don't let anything get to them. And that's how they survive. They don't grow. They survive. Yosef doesn't survive. He grows. Because he's in touch with every situation. If you're not in touch with every situation, situations can't cause you to grow. Because you're detached. You're in a very lonely space. He's not in a lonely space because he's there. And therefore the painful realities touch him. And hence, there's nobody who sobs as many times in Tanakh. I told you as Yosef, eight times you have him crying in Chumash. But what happens is, in that process, he uses it as a springboard for unprecedented growth. And from this man, finally, He becomes the second to the most powerful person in the world as the Prime Minister, Prime Minister of Egypt, was, which was the superpower of the time, right on the pirate. But it didn't happen then, it happened as a little kid. What is he dreaming about? All the storks are bowing down to his. The sun, the moon, they're all bowing down to him. The brothers are looking at him and saying, What's this about? This is not Judaism. Whoever, this is Judaism? Judaism is Bittle. Judaism is transcendence. Judaism is not about you. Judaism is about surrendering to a truth that transcends you and living according to that truth. That's Judaism. Uh, This is self-worship. Misal salbisaray. What are you standing, misal Bissaroi? You're busy grooming yourself into a king. This is not Judaism. This is what Judaism came to fight this is Hellenism. This is Greece. The Megal Amukas says Yosef begematria Antiochus. Yosef begematria melech yavam. Why? Because the Medrash says that in the time of Hanukkah, they told the Jews al hashur chelik yisrael. Write on the horn of an ox don't have. What's the horn of an ox? There's no better place to write that you don't believe in God. You needed the horn of an ox. Take papyrus. What they have then. Uh, Papyrus, whatever they had, and write it there. So the Meghala Amukkah says, No, 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 there's one Kedan HaShayr in Chomesh. The Karne Re'im Karnov, B'chor Shoyroi Hadar Loy Yosef. Yosef is called Shoyr and Karne They said, You want to see a Jew? The Greeks said, Yosef, that's a Jew. Dressed to kill, charismatic, powerful, resourceful. Knows a language. Understands economics. Runs a world. That's a man. Yifei toya. Yifei mara. Benoist tzadah. Leishur. Yaakov says on his deathbed. All the girls of Mitzrayim would climb up on the chaima To look at Yosef. This the Greeks like. This Jew I like. lechem You know this is not. This is not God. Yosef is a model. That's what Jews should look like. It was a very impressive figure. When Yosef was grooming himself, Al Pnimius, not only Al Pipp, even Al Pipp what was he doing? Yosef was making a statement. Yosef was saying, Rabbi Oimer, Eizii Derech Yeshara, Sheyavar Loy, Min Adam. Perkayavas Peribes, what's the proper path in life? What type of question, Rebbe says, Eizii Derech Yeshara? Open up a Shulchanok, Eizii Derech Yeshara. Learn Erechayim, learn Mishnah Brewer, you'll see Derek yeah. You come, you come to your shiva. and say, what's the proper path in life? Learn more, you'll see the proper path. And his answer is even worse. Kol <speaking in Hebrew> That which makes you beautiful. <speaking in Hebrew> and that which makes other people look at you and say, wow, this is a beautiful person. That's Rabbi's answer. Rabbi knew a thing or two about halacha. Rabbi <speaking> Uda is <in> Rabbi <Hebrew> Uda. This is his... This is Yosef. Yosef was making a statement. I mean, an internal statement, automatically external also. And that is that Avoidus Hashem ultimately is a path to beautify the human being and bring out his or her deepest resources and potentials. If Yosef creates a school, what do they teach in that school? (laughs) What do they teach in that school? In that school they teach, what we want from you is to allow your, you to allow yourself to become the most powerful people that even the sky is not the limit. And for him, this is a spiritual path. This is his path to God. This is what's represented by Tzimeach. K'eras, Balavon and Yisk. The brothers look at Yosef and said, Whoever heard of this? Whoever heard of this Judaism? Judaism is something else. Judaism is about the fact that God transcends human imagination, human existence, human dimensions. Truth is about surrender. Truth is about the courage to say, it's not about me, it's about truth. I am ready to enter into a path of self-forgetfulness, self-transcendence. I have the courage to transcend my emotions, my feelings, my experience, and dedicate myself to a truth, to a mission that is beyond me. That is where you find God, not in self-expression, in self-transcendence. Yehuda, submission, haida, bitl, a whole different mode, a very different mode. And I'll ask you a question to break it very practical. If your child is dating or getting engaged and married and comes and says, Tati, mommy, tell me what marriage is about. Is marriage about self-expression or is marriage about (laughs) self-forgetfulness? What makes a thriving marriage? When you come into a marriage and you say, I'm here for one reason. You will help me become me. Good luck. (laughs) Or is marriage about an opportunity to give? an opportunity to go out of your space and look what the other person is about. Which one? Which one? And if your child asks you, Tati, what is life about? Is life about me becoming the most powerful, successful person possible? And I don't mean narcissistic, greedy, on every level, spiritually, on every level, in Ruch Nis too. Or no. Life is about, Kishma, avoid us Hashem. You're an evid of Hashem. You're a servant of God. Ask not what God can do for you. (laughs) Ask what you can do for God. Yehud looked at Yosef and said, Which yeshiva did you go to? Whose shiurim were you going to? Who taught this to you? Who speaks about self-expression and self-actualization? We don't speak like this. We speak about surrender and abnegation. And here is where human glory lay. Here is where human dignity lay. Saimeach and doimem. It's not just two things, it's two modalities, two very different modalities. On doimem, you step, on offer you step. Offer says, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. It doesn't mean step, trample in the sense that I become nothing. I'm here to serve. I'm here to carry. The Gomorian Hoyus, Kimaduma, Sheshra ani noisum lachem, avdusani Ben Gamilia wanted to appoint two leaders. They said we're not interested. He says, "You think, <laughs> you think I'm here to make you rulers? I'm here to make you servants? Not sure. Avdusani noisim lechem. What do you think? A leader by Jews is a leader. A leader by Jews is a shmata. Avdusani noisim lechem. if you're a real leader, who? Avdusani noisim lechem. Even more than other people would even imagine, what a leader goes through if he's a real leader." I don't mean a leader who's selfish and uses everybody. A real leader, he has to carry everybody. Suddenly it's not even about me anymore. And to me be even more practical. When you, once you start having children, and if Baruch Hashem, you have a house filled with children, and somebody asks you, so what is life about? Is life about self-expression? Or is life about just try to get the few hours of sleep you can get so that you can have Kayach? To be a shmata for one more day, to be able to cover tuition and mortgage and the lechaim and the bmitzvah and the usher and the bris and the next chasen and other chasenah and the mechutanim shtick and his shtick and her shtick and deal with this and make sure that in the process the killer doesn't throw you out as an upikaris. <laughs> Try to do that, and if you could not get honored by the dinner, so then your mamish. You reach perfection. And let's just move on, you know? There's next, next. Somebody once said, as a rabbi, my function is with my kehilla. I hatch them, I match them, and I dispatch them. That's it. That, enough. Don't talk too much about yourself. Just let's, move. let's get the process going. Now, what do we do with this? And I ask you, if you were to create an educational system today, what should be Judaism be about? What are children being taught today? What is Judaism about? Is it about self-actualization? Or self-abnegation. If you would interview most graduates of yeshivas, seminars, by shiakos, by Suruchals, by sodas, by sridkas, whatever it is, all the schools, girls, boys, interview the eighteen-year-old kids, sixteen-year-old boys, twenty-one-year-olds from, from 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 all the spectrum. I'm not here talking about this killer, that and ask them, tell me in one statement: Is Yiddishkeit about self-actualization, or is it about self-abnegation? That's the question to ponder. Okay. So Yosef and Yehuda represent, in summation, two very different models. Two very different perspectives. Two modalities when it comes to Avodah Hashem, serving Hashem. And two modalities generally in life. And the difference is intimated and conveyed in their very names. Yosef uh, means growth the word haisafah, Yosef represents growth, tsemeach. Sadik. he's called it tzadik. Tzadik hatama yifrach, ke'erez balavonin Yizga. And Yehuda, which comes from the word Hayda, which means submission, to submit, to acknowledge, to be moida, to acquiesce, to surrender, represents not the model of growth, but the model of submission and surrender. Or in the words, the terminology used here in the Smeimer, versus Doimim. The la La'Koltiya. Offer is the Doimim versus the Tsimeyach. The Doimim is classified by the fact that it doesn't grow. On the contrary, it submits itself and it allows one to step on it, like rocks, sidewalks, roads, stone, earth, and so forth. Where Tsimeyach. Yes, you could sometimes step on some grass. We could do it all the time in some lower bushes. But certainly the taller it is, the harder it gets. And certainly with the cedar tree, you're probably going to be safer if you don't try uh, walking on top of it. Because it may end up walking on top of you. So you have here two... Rep- rep- they represent here two concepts, two ideals. And the point we brought out was that this is a general question in life. And the big question is, what is the ultimate... Uh, What is the ultimate purpose of life? Is it self-expression, self-realization, self-discovery, self-actualization, or not? One's ultimate focus should be on the privilege, on the opportunity to surrender, to transcend, to submit. Now, we all understand the value, the significance in each one of these. The first, I don't have to explain probably... The concept of self-realization and self-expression is something that motivates a person to be able to be their best, to be able to actualize themselves. And we're talking about actualize yourself in po- very, very positive ways, in, in, in good ways, in, in spiritual ways, in godly ways. Yosef was a tzaddik. But Yosef's M.O. was Toyav, Mara. not just that he was handsome, he was beautiful, he was gorgeous, that too. But Yosef represented the idea that Yiddishkeit is to make you beautiful. It's to make you as beautiful as possible. It's to make a person express everything that they have in them in the most (coughs) glorious and splendid fashion, that a person should should grow to the tallest position that they're capable of growing. And that's all in the word Yosef, which means growth. More growth and more growth. That's one perspective. The other perspective is Yehuda, and Yehuda means submission. Yehuda means surrender. Yehuda means from the word either gratitude, which is, Manachnu hapam Hashem, Toda Toda ani I thank you. Also from the word in terms of confession, which all represent really the same thing. It's a vulnerable act of submission. When I confess, I say... A moida that I did so and so, moida a form of confession. And then there is the third interpretation of moidim, as in Gemara Moidim chachamim Rib Meir. I am it's not a confession of a mistake or a sin, but it's a uh, a um defer. Defer? Oh. Okay. Look who the wind blew in this morning. <laughs> defer, and even more than that, I retract my old position, amoyde to you, meaning, I say you were right and I'm wrong, which is a form of submitting my mindset, my view, and surrendering it to this person, or this philosophy, or this position. And the, the question translates itself, it trickles down into many, many different areas. But one always focuses on the on the beauty of Yiddishkeit, in the ter- in terms of, what, what do I mean by beauty? Beauty of how the, the Mishnah says, mm-hmm. how it beautifies the person on every level, and one focuses more on the truth of it. In other words, it's not about me, and it's not about what it does for me, and it's not about how enthusiastic or inspired I am, and it's not about me ultimately finding myself, it's ultimately about the opportunity in life to be able to surrender the me to a truth that is beyond. me. I want to characterize the question in somewhat more uh, philosophical or subtle terms. And that is what is the real from a Jewish perspective and think about this, is the objective of life to find yourself in God or is the objective of life To lose yourself in God. To find yourself in Hashem or to lose yourself in Hashem. What does it mean to find yourself in Hashem? To find yourself in Hashem means, I want a relationship with Hashem, but I want to be there. I want to find myself in God. In other words, I want to find how God is meaningful to me, how God brings out the best in me as a human being as a person, as a Jew, as a father, as a husband, whatever I am, whoever, all the layers of my identity, as an individual and as part of a larger unit, whether a family unit, a community unit, a nation unit. But the point is, I want to find myself in God. I want to find those circuits within Hashem, within the Rebbeinah Shalom, that become meaningful for me. Or one says, no, why are you reducing God to you? As I said, ask, ask not what God can do for you. Ask what you can do for God. The the perspective, the objective is not to find yourself, but to lose yourself in it. To lose yourself in it means that you actually don't find yourself there. It's not about you finding yourself there. It's about you losing yourself there in a truth that completely transcends you because truth is never about your feeling for it, or your imagination of it, or your experience of it. And as I said, in every issue of life, you have the same question. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to education, when it comes to all forms of relationships, when it comes to spiritual growth, when it comes to avoid Hashem, and so forth. Yes? These two things really mutually exclusive. They are? I'm asking. I oh, oh, sense, oh. So can combine it. Okay. It seems the opposite. Like yeah, we said with Torah. Yeah, it was doesn't seem to me that it must be two... Right. Diverting. You're saying, why do we have to pit the two against each other? In order to bring well, it together, you just have to, to, to get explain apart. the concepts, but the end result... You're right. You're right. That's what we're going to work on. That's what we're going to try to work on. I'm just... I want to bring out the two, so we should understand the two approaches. Existing more by doing the on some level, yeah, the hayda means I cease to exist. On some level, of course, you know, if it's me working on it, I, I, I'm always existing, but I'm, I'm trying to get closer to nonexistence. Where in Yosef, it's the other way around. So now he continues. In the Seder Hishdalshimus today, meaning in the process in the hierarchy that God creates today, Yosef is Me Yehuda. Yosef is higher than Yehuda. Sherei me Shifa In Hazah. In mystical language, Malchus, which is the attribute of Yehuda, receives its flow and vitality from Yosef, who represents za, which are the midos. So in that stage of history, who was the king? Yosef. He was the king in Egypt. Yosef represents growth. Rising higher and higher, exaltedness. He was the one who fed, nurtured, and gave to everybody, including Yehud. As the passage says, Yosef, who... Yosef is the mashbir bar. He is the one who nurtures. He gives the food, which here doesn't only mean food; it also means spiritual food, spiritual nutrition to everybody. shalit al He is the ruler. He is the man. He is the king. Be who and Yehuda is the recipient of Yosef. Who approaches whom? Yehuda submits. And approaches Yosef, beseeching him, saying, "Be please, my master." no I'm going to speak. And Yehuda pleads and beseeches Yosef in the beginning of Alegash. What does "be adoini mean? What does the word? What do the words mean? So he says, "Pirush." The deeper meaning is, "Shaboy you're my master. I need you to put to give me the flow. B, your hashpah should go into me. As it says in Zoya Va'yigash, the Hainu Takrufta Alma Ba'alma. It says, Va'yigash, I love you, There was not only two people approaching each other, it was two worlds approaching each other. Takrufta Alma Ba'alma. The word Takrufta is the word Kiruv. It's the Kiruv, it's the proximation, the closeness, the approach of two universes. The Zoya recognizes these are not only two brothers, they represent two paradigms. The Hainu. Alma Tata, you have the lower world. The lower world of Yehuda comes close to the higher world of Yosef. I need your floor, I need your heart. This is the paradigm of the Mishkan. Where was the Mishkan? In Yosef's territory. The Mishkan. The roof was made of animal hide. The walls were made of tsemeach, which is part of the the world of botany, the world of vegetation, and only the earth of the Mishkan was made of earth, which was doyman. In other words, there's a hierarchy where Chai transcends Tzimeach, Tzimeach transcends doyman. What would that mean spiritually? Tzimeach means you feel the growth. You feel Avodos Hashem makes you grow, makes you a better person, a happier person, a more engaged person, a more successful person, a more productive person a deeper person, a more powerful person. There's a sense of growth. Doimim, I submit. I'm submitting, I'm allowing you to walk on me. I transcend myself. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not about me. So, in the Mishkan, Tzimeach is higher than Chai, because Tzimeach has chius. Tzimeach has vivaciousness. Tzimeach has vitality. You can't compare somebody who surrenders to somebody who expresses themselves. Just like you can't compare an employee to a boss. Right? When you're the boss, there's a different chios, there's a different vitality. Why? Because it's ultimately yours. You're not working for somebody else. You're working for yourself. There's a passion, there's a growth because you feel you feel the fire in your belly, and the reason you feel the fire in your belly because it's so meaningful to you. You're not just transcending yourself or surrendering yourself to another authority, whatever that authority may be. So in the model of the Mishkan, Samech is higher than Daiman. This is one model of Jewish history. Asid in the future, Yosef. What's going to happen is Yehuda is going to be sublimated beyond Yosef. Similar to what we spoke about, that the women, woman of valor becomes the crown of her husband, above her husband. <speaking> in <Hebrew> because in the Sheyresh, Yehudah is higher than Yosef. Because Seif Maisa, the Doimim, is Allah B'machshav Atchila. In the ultimate Machshavah, the bitl of Machshavah, Eretz is deep. Eretz Kadmala Shamayim. In the process of history, heaven must precede her In the ultimate journey, in the ultimate destination, earth precedes heaven, because in thought, earth preceded heaven. ki <laughs> going to be some uh, mystical language here. We'll read and I'll explain. Ki-hinei. Machshave <laughs> hu chey ma. We learned before, Machshave <laughs> combines two words. chey ma. Dahainu tachlis ha-bitl. Machshave represents the ultimate bitl, which means nullification. Shehubchines chach medatzilis koyach ma. Which generally, Chochmah is a combination of two words. Chachma is Koyach, Ma, Chof Ches which means the Koyach of what? Why is Chochmah called the Koyach of what? If you want to tell me what it is, tell me what it is. Don't tell me it's the Koyach of what? In other words, that's the point. Chochmah doesn't have an articulate, definitive identity. Its identity is the Koyach to be able to say what? To be able to say, be able to say Ma. Or as Moshe Rabbeinu said, V'nachnu ma kisalinu alem. What are we? What are we? Ma, the ability to say what, the ability to ask. That is the concept of ma. And machshave is cheshev ma. Now generally speaking, what this means is, in the process of cognition, there are two stages which we spoke about once, chachma and Bina. And the difference is, Bina is when you get an idea fully, you comprehend it. Chachma is... Still, the stage when there is a spark of inspiration and enlightenment that enters into the person's brain that cannot still be articulated. It's still very, very nebulous. It's like you have this inspiration, this light bulb that goes off, a moment of intuition, but you still didn't figure it out. You still didn't decipher it. And where does that come from? Where, you know, you suddenly have this spark of inspiration. Where did it come from? You don't know where it came from. It came from a place that's called Koya Hamaskil the unconscious, which already knows the answer. But the answer can't be known in the conscious. Chachma is the transition between the unconscious and the conscious. So we say from nowhere you get the spark. It didn't come from nowhere. It came from nowhere that you can identify. It came from somewhere within you. But how does that happen? How do I get in touch with that unconscious Ah. wisdom? How do I? I learn the Gemara. I read it again and again. I don't get it. And then I'm walking in the street, boom, it pops into my head. The answer is Chachma is Koyach Ma. It's the ability for a person to nullify everything they know to something that they don't know. A person who believes that they know everything will never learn new things, ever. Because anything that they learn, they always translate in a way that fits their old, huh? what do you say? Their into their box. It suits their comfort zones. And if it doesn't, they'll say the person is a Meshugana or an Apigaris. One of the two, and then you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> or, or it's the Yitzhar. Now sometimes it could be. Sometimes it could be the person is a Meshugana. Sometimes it could be. It doesn't mean it's not always. But the point is, I have to make sure it's not coming from my own fear or my own inadequacy or my own inability to open myself up. So Chachma is Koyach Ma, the to say what? Chvesnesh, tell me what, what? To be able to sit like a child, like a wet sponge, and absorb everything. Coming from the discussing schita and sponges. Absorb everything like a sponge, and let it, everything go in. Exactly, that's why Ezo Chachma Alemin Mekaladamut is an expression in Sifri musser Kol Gei Shaita. Translate it rightly. Gay <laughs> is Gimel Yud Aleph, which means every arrogant person is a fool. Some arrogant people are very smart. It means by definition, because arrogance never allows you to learn anything new, because I already know everything. So Chachma is kayachma. When a person can not comprehend something, it's because the walls of their brain, the parameters of their brain, are finite. And a 7-ounce cup can't contain 16 ounces of water. But what if I break down the walls... What if I open myself up to something else? What if I surrender my intellectual ego to a truth that's higher? And the greatest ego in the world is an intellectual ego. It's far more lethal than any other ego. Just read intellectuals, and you'll see what I mean by an intellectual ego. Especially people who claim to be scholars, scientists, and others who may be scholars. Sometimes the worst egotism comes from them. Why? Because it's a sophisticated ego. It's an enlightened ego. It's an ego that doesn't come from ignorance. It's an ego that comes from knowledge. But really, it's the most lethal ego. Why? Because it's the ego that traps. Doesn't let you grow at all. At least if I have an an ego that comes out of ignorance, one day, hopefully, I'll become knowledgeable and I'll realize that my ego has to go. But here, it's the contrary. The more knowledge, the more smug, the more stubborn, the more... uh, more, uh, condescending, the more condescending to people whose views are different than you. There's a, uh, a, a psychologist in Los Angeles. His name is Dr. Hamnick. He was, his name was Dr. Hamnick. So his son wrote an article that he heard from his father that his father once went to a lecture by a student of Sigmund Freud, by a student of Dr. Freud. And the question that this student of Freud raised at the conference was a very interesting question. Why is it, he said, that... Uh, Every culture has a myth that at some point a flood destroyed the entire civilization. So, For example, the Bible has the myth of the flood. And he went through most cultures that in their early literature, they always have these myths of a flood coming and destroying everything and then starting all over again. So he explained, because this is the deep phobia, the deep fear that everybody has of death, And when you have such a fear, you have to deal with it. And the way you deal with it is by projecting that fear onto reality and by saying that at some point the whole world was destroyed and that's how you deal with that fear. And he explained this at length. So Dr. Hamnick raised his hand and said, maybe the reason the Bible has the flood story is because it happened. (laughs) Maybe that's the reason, because it actually happened. He said there was a stunning silence in the room, so silent, you could cut the electricity literally. You could cut the tension with a knife. It was like almost he said the shame I'm afraid. He said something that nobody ever utters. This is something that a person who calls himself human does not speak like this. And after a few minutes of very awkward and tense sounds, he says, the, the lecturer, Dr. Freud's student, looked at him and said, My teacher told me, Dr. Freud told me, we will never know who is stronger, a polar bear or a tiger? And the reason is because they can't live in the same climate. So therefore they could never ever fight it out. He says, you and me are the polar bear and the tiger. We don't live in the same climate. There's not even a point of arguing or fighting. So... (laughs) So here you have a different type of of closed-mindedness, a closed-mindedness that comes from open-mindedness. And sometimes it's the worst closed-mindedness. And it's a very very serious issue, especially in the community of of scientists, of, of, of philosophers, of psychologists, of evolutionary psychologists, of physicists. Sometimes they lie, but sometimes they rationalize which is a more dangerous lie, because I'm not lying, I'm honest, I'm ethical. It becomes a truth that's a lie. Yesh yes yesh yes yesh yes And you'll see the anger of some of them when you oppose a dissenting view, how they get angry. If somebody is intellectually pure, why are you getting angry? You're looking for truth. I said something, maybe I'm wrong, so explain to me why I'm wrong. They won't say I'll explain to you why I'm wrong. They'll say... You're an idiot. Your name calling. Yeah. yeah. Why are you calling a name? Why? Explain. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If you're searching for truth, you should be happy if I'm right. You should celebrate it. So this is a very, very important idea. Chachma is the ability to say koyach ma. It's the koyach to say what. Ichveis garnished. I know nothing. I'm a blank slate. So there's no confinements to my intellectual ego. So I break down the walls. Once you break down the walls, you become open to experiencing a truth of your unconscious that previously you couldn't experience because you had a confined paradigm and a box, and only ideas that suited that intellectual box could come in. So really, any person engaged in serious uh, intellectual pursuit and learning of any type, any Chachma, especially Torah, especially Torah, in Torah you have an additional challenge, and that is, you have here the justification of God. Once you have the justification of God, it can also become very, very dangerous. Why? Because here, the ego <laughs> could become far more profound, because you could tell yourself, it's not me. It's God. It's quite Shemaian. Like the famous uh, anecdote of Rabbi Yaakov Emden, a for the sake of heaven will endure forever. As long as it's not with heaven, you could compromise. You give him $50,000 and he'll be quiet. But the moment it's Shem Shemayim, now I'll fight you to the end. Because it's not me. It's Hashem's honor. Once it's Hashem's honor, I can't compromise even if I want to. <laughs> even if my wife tells me, relax, I can't. God comes before your wife. That's a really lie, not like huh? you a That could be, yeah. But again, people can delude themselves. And suddenly, sometimes, what seems apparently as religion or holiness is really a cloak for deep insecurity or for a profound arrogance or pompousness. And the person is so closed because they think if they're going to listen to another opinion, they're listening to heresy. And, yeah, and a way of dismissing somebody by saying you're, 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 you're discussing impurity is becomes a very lethal weapon because there's no ability for a real conversation. There's no ability for real There's no ability for real growth. There's no ability for real growth, there's no way you're going to find God. There's no way you're going to find truth, because there's no koyach ma. So chachma is that priceless gift of the koyach to say what. And it's the only faculty that allows you to experience newness, infinity, that which is beyond yourself. You can stay in that space of chachma, some people do, but if you stay in that space of chachma, you're out of space. Bina means then taking it and assimilating it into your walls, into your faculties. And he that's is why... He's applying it, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, comprehending it, uh, developing it. It's basically the father and the mother. The father gives the seed and the mother takes the seed and develops it into a fetus. So Chachmah is a seed of inspiration. It shoots out, like the Gemara says, It almost shoots like an arrow. The lightning bulb goes off. And then there is the development of the idea. Edison said that every invention includes 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Chachma is inspiration and Bina is perspiration. Without You have to sweat it out to work on it. person walks in the street and says, oh, I got it. I got it. What did you get? I can't talk about it. Write it down. I can't. What is it? I don't know what it is. The truth is, so what do you say? I got it. That's what we say. It's not really I got it. It got me. (laughs) I didn't get it. Chachma is it got me. Bina is I got it. And you'll always see that the clarity in Bina will never be the same as in Chachma. When you get that intuitive inspiration, it's usually a few words, and later when you fully comprehend it, you will seek and yearn for the clarity that you had during the epiphany of Chachma, and it will never come back to you. Because that level of clarity you're not capable of recreating. Why? Because that level of clarity happened in a moment when you surrendered your intellectual identity. And that's what allows the clarity because it's something else that so to speak entered into your space. The moment you resurf, you reassert your intellectual identity, the clarity of the epiphany level must surrender to your identity. So Chachma is Koyachmat. Chachma is Bittu. Yeah. Is sits in your subconscious or no? Forehand, or that's a new Yeah, 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 yeah. But the transition from the subconscious to the conscious happens through Chachma. Without Bittl, I can't have that experience because my intellectual conscious self is not capable of it. That's why you'll see that epiphany always happens when, at two points, number one, you have to be disgusted with your level of knowledge or experience. If you're not disgusted with it, if you're content with your intellectual ego, you will not experience it. it usually, happens you're frustrated with yourself. You're like, <laughs> that's a humility that allows real growth. If there's no frustration, in other words, you're content with your arrogant self, you won't experience growth. There'll be a, the more the frustration, the better. The more the frustration, the better. The more you give up on your brain level, the more you'll actually be able to understand. The more you realize, I know nothing, the more you'll be able to experience. I think I once read a research about a a certain therapist who was for many years practicing, and he said, they asked him after many years if there's a a way that you could figure out if the patient who comes in is going to be successful or not going to be successful. So he says, yeah. He learned after many years, the person comes in the first session, and he answers all questions clearly. It's bad news. How's your marriage? Who are you this? How's your marriage? Everything he knows. If he comes in the first session, <laughs> he doesn't know what hidden. Everything is confused. He stops. He, he says, this is a good simit. This is a good simit because you don't have to break down so many levels of, uh, of, of ignorance. So many levels of perceived enlightenment. So therefore in Chachma there's an element of frustration, number one. And number two, the person is not thinking about anything else completely dedicated to the truth of the idea. That's why you'll see that epiphany always happens when you're completely thinking about the idea, but you don't even know that you're thinking about the idea. In other words, if you're thinking about it actively and telling yourself, I want to figure it out, you won't figure it out. Because you're also there. Only when it's almost, you don't realize that you're completely focused on it does it actually come into your system. Machshava is cheshavma. Why? Mahshava we spoke earlier about Mahshava versus Dibur. In Mahshava you don't feel the words. You don't feel the letters. In Dibur, you feel the letters. That's why everyone knows that they speak in a language. People don't realize that they think in a language. Because in in every idea or feeling, there are two stages. There is the energy, and there are the containers. The oisius and the oir. The oirus and the 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 kalim. The idea is the energy. The emotion is the energy. The letters are the of the containers. In Chachmah, the oisius are completely bottled to the oir. In Bina, the oir is bottled to the oisius. Meaning, you'll always see that an epiphany comes in merely a few words. It won't be more than six words. Three, four, five. If it's more than a sentence, it's not an epiphany. It's always, boom! Why? Because oisies are containers. What's felt in Chachma is the truth of the idea, not the mechanism in which it's conveyed. In Bina it's the other way around. Bina is the construction of it through letters and through words. So you have many, many words and letters in Bina. Chachma you'll have a few letters, a few words, but an unbelievable light and clarity. In Bina you'll have lots of words. It's going to get very wordy. You write it, you explain it, you discuss it. But what's missing is the power, the clarity of the energy that came into Chachma. Machshave and Dibur are not Chachma and Bina. They're vehicles. How you process the idea. Either Chachma and Bina. You think it, that's processing to yourself. And Dibur is processing to other people. But it's a similar difference. Machshave is cheshav ma. What is cheshav ma? It's in Machshave, the oisius are more bottled to the idea. And that's why there's less a person could think about something in a minute one minute you think about something to say it will take you 9 hours how is it you know what it means right now some of you are daydreaming for example think when you wake up in a few seconds hopefully you'll wake up you say my daani think how much you thought about in the last 30 seconds of your daydream you went through quite a lot no anybody nobody was daydreaming here it's impossible it's impossible <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it's a fascinating thing. You go through your daydream, you'll see in a minute you covered, uh, you went to Australia, you went to Israel, you went to Russia, you went here, you went there, you met people. You could build a whole life in a daydream, and it takes a minute. To say it all, you can't even start. Why is it? Because in Machshaveh, what's felt is more. The light, the energy. The oyses are just a container and they're not emphasized. That's why we don't even feel so much that we think in language. In Dibur it's the other way around. Now, in terms of containers and energy, therefore, in Machshave the containers are bottled to the energy. In Dibur the energy is bottled to the containers. In terms of existence, you have the same concept. The divine energy is conveyed through letters, through words, by Saram Amodas Nivra In the world of Machshavah, it's an internal world. The Dibur is bottled to the energy. And in the world of Dibur, the energy is bottled to the Dibur. So therefore, when you say Yehuda is rooted in Machshavah, that there's less separation. There's less separation. In other words, the Doimim is rooted in a higher place than Yosef because essentially... It comes from a place where there's absolutely no separation. And therefore, self-actualization is not a necessity because the self is not distinct from the truth. In the world of Machshava, the self is not distinct from the truth. Let's see, let's see another few words here. hine Abba yasad brata. It's an expression that is there. Uh, the father brings forth; he creates the foundation for the daughter. Abba Yosad Brata, Brata in Aramaic is daughter. Bas Abba is father. What does this mean? Ki Chachma ila nikre Yiri ila. The higher Chachma is called higher awe. Chachma tata, the lower wisdom, shia malchus, Yiri tata, is lower awe. Because Abba Yosad Brata, the father has a special relationship with the daughter. The lower level of Yira, which is Doiman, really comes from the highest level of Yira, which is Chachma. The daughter comes from the father. Special relation between daughter and father, beyond the mother, which is Bina. Now when we hear Yirah Tata, the lower level of all Submission, what we're seeing is an inferior form of surrender. We see the daughter, not the father. La lava yiretata will identify its own truth, its own source. Al kentiya uz baila. so she will become even higher than everything. <laughs> because really, bittel is rooted in a much deeper place than love, than passion, than awe. Which come from Chesed and Gvura of Zoh, I Malchus is lower than Chesed and Gvura. That's true, but it's really rooted in the Father, which is Chachma Ilah, which is higher. Soif Maisa Machshavat Chilla. But now we see its inferiority, and therefore we celebrate Yosef. We have to celebrate Yosef. Yosef is the king. Lave, Love will see the true essence of Yiretata of Eretz, of Doimim, of Yehuda, and then you'll see that it's really rooted in Chachma, which is higher. Cheshav Ma, Koyach Ma. And therefore, Eishesh Chal will become a Territz Baal, not because it will change, because you'll see what it really is. Or That's why even now, Earth has the deeper B'chineska the or B'chines B'chines the B'chines HaB'chines 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 well, this needs a lot of explanation you understand what he's saying here no okay that's good <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> if you would understand what <laughs> good if you don't understand the <laughs> I don't know I'm explaining in three minutes now I'll say the point now, and then tomorrow, Be'ezer Hashem, will elaborate. I'm going to say the point briefly, very succinctly. I'm going to try to, Be'ezer Hashem. Yosef has to be higher than Yehuda. If Yehuda is higher than Yosef, you're just (coughs) not in touch with Reality. There's a stage in history where Yosef comes before you. Yosef is the king, Yehuda is the recipient. Yehuda was upset about this. The brothers were upset about this. They wanted to be the leaders. They couldn't understand that Yosef is the king. Do they have a point? Of course they have a point. Were they wrong or right? They were wrong and they were right in the classic Jewish answer. They were right in some stage of history. They were wrong at that stage of history. That's why Yaakov has this relationship with Yosef. Yosef has to be the king. One day Yehuda will be the king. Dover HaMelech comes from Yehuda. Shloymer comes from Yehuda. Mashiach comes from Yehuda. Not Yosef. But for Yehuda to become a king, you first Yosef has to be a king. And you can't jump ahead of Yosef. You can't throw Yosef into a pit and say he belongs as a slave, I'm the king. It doesn't work that way. Yosef has to be a king. To the contrary, if Yehuda wants to become a king, it has to go through Yosef. But then Yehuda becomes a king. And then there's something deeper, and that Yosef and Yehuda become kings together, as we'll see later in the Mimer. The Aftar of Ayikash from Yechasko, where the two sticks become one. This Mimer comes to explain what this really means. What does, what does this represent? So here is the, here is the, here is the core. What is greater in life? Self-expression, self-actualization, or self-surrender? What's greater? We all understand, yeah, in terms of our own lives, our own experiences, a person gets much more passionate about something, like I said before, in which you're expressed. If Somebody will ask you, should I take a job that I'm passionate about? Or should I take a job that I have to, every single day in the morning, wake up and say... I'm not doing this for myself. <laughs> I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not doing this for myself. We all know it's a blessing to be in a field of work that you love. Those who are in a field of work that they love know what I'm talking about, and those who are in a field of work that they hate know that what I'm talking about even more. You'll say, surrender. What about marriage? Is it better to be in a marriage where you come home every day and you say, Ah, this couldn't be better. <laughs> Or you're in a marriage where you come home every day, and before you walk into the door. You're like, it's not about me, it's not about me, it's not about me. I once asked a fellow he was married sixty years. I said, how did you do it so well? I mean, I know you're a stubborn guy. He says, I was partially blind and I was partially deaf. So his wife heard him and she, said, I said, I knew. She said, I was completely blind and completely deaf. You come in the chenish, the chzenish, the Let me just try to survive. You can't compare. How do you compare? Do you want your child to sit in school in a state of surrender? Or do you want your child to sit in school in a state of self-expression? Wow, this is so interesting. This is stimulating. I love this. Or, you say, I don't care what you love. This is what you do till 18. You're under me. You graduate at 18. Go do whatever you want. I'll make a big baruch shapatrani. But till 18, surrender. I know there's a very popular book now called "The Surrendered Wife," that's already the model of somewhat of the of the of the next model. So it's very obvious. Yeah, or to speak in Osis so of this what's greater, ava or Bittul? Avavira means I'm in love. I love it. I love you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Yira means there's a there's an intensity. There's awe. Bittul Doima means I surrender. So wake up in the morning in a daven chakras. What's a, what's a greater chakras? A chakras in which you say, ah, I can't wait to say. I had a chave in yeshiva. He was a very spiritually sensitive soul. So he went smoozing that night after say the night. We were sitting, many, many years ago, we were sitting in Bes Majdrash. It was quite late at night. You know, in the yeshiva you sit late. I don't know, it was 12 or 1. He was, he was a very deep person. Still is a deep person. So as uh, I was like, inst- instantaneously he says, "Ah, I can't wait for tomorrow morning." I say, "What can't you wait till tomorrow morning?" He says, "I want to be able to say, amni." It's a poetic soul, poetic soul. He wants that experience. So now go around to people here in the shuls with all these minyanim that happen here. I don't know if you mathematically you could figure out all the minyanim here. But basically it's now every nine and a half seconds, it looks like. You just have to figure out which building, which basement, uh, and this construction also. So what's yesterday's building is not the new building. But go around to most people. Yeah. So you wake up in the morning, what's your feeling? Your feeling is, ah, I love this relationship. I want to put on, I want to put on towels. I want to put on, I want to start davening. And talk to God. Communicate to my soul. Melt away in this relationship, experience the bonding, the intimacy. That's what we call avivira. Or no, it's not about you. <laughs> Regardless of your emotions, your feelings, your instincts, your inclinations, your disposition, your characteristics, your yid, a yid wakes up in the morning and daven. Well, we know what that davening looks like. <laughs> it's two different davenings. Yeah, it's a tale of two davenings. So the the model of Yosef is far greater than the model of Yehuda. It's a whole different model. Is there room for it? Of course there's room for it. Is there room sometimes to come home and say it's not about me? And if you're in an argument with your spouse to say it's not about me? And if you're not in the mood of something, you still show up? Because if you do only things when you're in the mood, how long do you do them for? Surrender is critical to life. Surrender, submission, you can't do anything without surrender, submission, because if it's always about me, and I always have to find myself in the experience. Huh? Yeah, often. Sometimes there's an element of transcendence, of forgetfulness. There's no question. But what reigns supreme? What's dominant? Obviously, year self-expression, tzimeach is much greater than diamond. You're going to compare the life of tzimeach to the life of diamond, the life of medaber. If you can have a choice to be a rock or to be a person, what are you going to choose? What do they say? A rock feels no pain? Yeah, an island... <laughs> never cries, maybe never dies too, that's true, oh, that's the deeper level, that a rock also never dies, people die, rocks don't die, Little doesn't die, but that's already you're jumping to the higher level, there's, there's a whole different level of life, Ms. that's all Ms. and yet there's a deeper component where Yehuda reigns supreme, not only then, even now, but now it can't come out. It can't come out by nature of reality. There's a distinction between the two. And Yehuda must be mekabel from Yosef. Yehuda is mekabel from Yosef. But essentially there's something in Yehuda that's even deeper than Yosef. There's something in the daimon the machshav chilah. Once you can unravel the depth of existence and figure out the machshav chilah, the chey ma, the koyach you discover that in the daimon in that commitment of transcendence, lay a relationship that is deeper than the relationship that's experienced through passion, through self-awareness, through self-realization, through self-expression. But the only way you could reach that is if you go through the process of Yosef. As we shall see. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyesheba.net slash donate.